Hello there, welcome to episode 97 of Nevermind the Bullens, it's your bite-sized Everton podcast and vodcast. Uh, I'm Mike Peters. Uh, first episode taken from the new Nerve Centre uh, for Nevermind the Bullens and Nerves with the order of the day uh, at Goodison uh, on, on Sunday. Um, I'm in a new studio, basically is what I'm saying. Purpose built for me talking into you know cameras and on the radio and stuff, so it's all very exciting. Anyway, um, yes... I mean, just an extraordinary sort of afternoon at Goodison. Extraordinary 24 hours, really, if you count back to, uh, well, 14 or 18 hours, maybe. We count back to um, the fireworks display that took place to supposedly unnerve the... Um, uh, the Chelsea uh, team who were uh, residing at one of the city's top hotels. Um, but uh, obviously, going into the game with... Burnley having won against Norwich, I think we were all really starting to fear the worst. Um, and, you know, it, it suddenly became a game that we felt we can get a result here. There's no question about it. We probably need a result with a small end to we need a result um, as on the off the back of them winning. You're thinking five points behind. Yeah, we've got two games behind hand, but when you're at that end of the table, you know, points in the bag are better than games in hand because your form is that bad. There's no guarantee you're going to win uh, those particular games. Um, and Frank Lampard rightly acknowledged it afterwards in terms of the fact that, you know, uh, the, the fans were the men, women and children of the match um, because I, it was a, a Goodison of old. Um, I took my stepson there, who is uh, a Manchester United supporter, but we can't know everything, can we? Um, there, and um, I said to him, you will never hear an absolute like this at, at Old Trafford, and he was just absolutely gobsmacked. Totally different, obviously, atmosphere to a game at Old Trafford, totally different stadium to Old Trafford, really, but I said, you've seen Goodison at its best, because it was at its best, and we had to be. Every man, woman, child of us that were there, I mean, I was sat in the lower Bullens, which is not normally where I reside, as you know, I'm normally sat in the lower Gladys, that's where my season ticket is, but I was in the lower Bullens, uh, in the family seats, as it were, um, and even that, which is normally sedate part of the ground, was absolutely bouncing from minute one, um, and it had to be, there was singing, there was chanting, there was everything, because we recognised what we had to do to get behind and, and push the players forward, and the uh, you know, the, the lining of the streets to see the coaching um, and then obviously the carrying of the dog down, <laughs> down Goodison Road, which is now taking on a legend of its own, which is just a peak Everton in many respects. Um, but it's, you know, it's a moment of, of levity, but a sort of a necessary moment of the passion that the fans obviously, we, we, we know that we have for the club and how desperate we are to see us not, slip out of the Premier League and of course the, the, the ramifications that that would that would have um, which would be absolutely colossal not least from a financial point of view but from obviously a personal point of view uh, as well um, and you know this season has been uh, undoubtedly a roller coaster, and this was another day where it reached a crescendo so the hope now is that with the games going forward less than next week uh, and the Watford game following that we don't reach a massive dip again um, that we can try and maintain that peak or, you know, loop the loop a little bit and, and stay up there where we need to be. Um, but the performance, I mean, the match itself, the setup of the team, almost set up to play like we did, pretty much like we did at Anfield last week, um, worked brilliantly to counter-attack and try and absorb that Chelsea pressure. And the discipline that was shown by all 11 players, uh, no matter who the 11 were on the pitch at, at the time, was absolutely fantastic um it really was the way they kept their shape 
um, just defended, you know, the, the the energy that was shown by every single player uh, in the team. Um, I mean, it's difficult to pick individuals out, but I, I will because Yerry Mina was a colossus at the back and shows why we have missed him, even though, you know, there are times you're thinking, oh, blimey, you know, you just you have your heart in your mouth at, at times and your head in your hands and everything else. But he's a player that winds the opposition up and you love those players in your team every team kind of needs one a bit of a spoiler and we he is ours i mean the the, the sketch with kai havertz who was just needling for the entire afternoon um was was brilliant when he got shoved over when he sort of stood towards him and he pushed him over with about seven minutes ago was was just hilarious but that typified what he was like just one and let the opposition the chelsea players allowed yeri mina to get to them and that's exactly what he wanted. They played into his his hands. Um, I don't think we'll ever get as many decisions from Kevin Friend again. Um, and I think that was to, to a degree the power of the of the thirty nine and a half thousand of us that were that were in the ground. It was uh, amazing. Um, I mentioned Jerry Mean. I've got to mention Abdullah Decore as well because that was his best game for quite some time. It was the Decore that we saw just at the start of the season where he was just everywhere. He was just a, 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 a you know a real power in the middle of the park and chasing players down. And there was a point where he didn't quite win a ball. I think it was in the second half and you could see visibly on his face. He was he sort of ah, furious that he didn't, that he didn't quite win the ball back. But I thought that's great. That's the passion that we, we crave as Evertonians. You know, it's our lifeblood because a lot of us, you know, having watched for the last 30 years, um, will have seen, not much in terms of quality at, at various points, but a lot of heart and a lot of desire. And that is what has been lacking. Again, I, you know, I said last week on the last episode that if we performed against Leicester with the same level of intensity that we performed with against Liverpool, then we'd won that game. We perform with that same level of intensity on Sunday. We won the game. It's not, doesn't take a genius to work out where the difference is. That 5 or 10% makes all of the difference. And it has to be... Car- I mean, Frank Lampard came out after the game and said, this has to be replicated now. And he's absolutely right. Now, we can't do that when we're at the King Power or when we're at Vicarage Road. The fans can't help with that. Obviously, there's going to be... You know, well, our away section will have sold out. There was no question. And they will make a huge amount of noise, as they did against Burnley. But against Burnley... It didn't quite work, but that was down. The players on the pitch have to then take that responsibility and go, we can do this. We can win those remaining five matches. We can go to Arsenal on the last day and win. I'm hoping it doesn't come to that, but if we win the next four, we should be okay. You know, we're on, what, 32 points now? 44 points should comfortably see us safe. Um, and we can do that. It absolutely can be done. But even if it was... Another 10 points if we could get a a win and a draw out of the next away game and win the last two home games against Brentford and Palace, then great. That should be enough to see early or I think now more likely Leeds drop in to that bottom three. I said after the Leeds game in in February, I thought they were in big trouble. They've had a bounce under Jesse Marsh, but it started to dissipate, obviously, although that is mitigated by the fact they played Man City on Saturday. We were going to just tonk anybody at the minute, aren't they? Um, But, you know... Richarlison was was magnificent again. Damari Gray was well, not as much in terms of quality, but his his work ethic was brilliant. Alex Awobi was just fantastic again. You know, I think he was better, and he, with every game, we're starting to see him fulfil that potential. That there's, and I've said it. Obviously, he's been you know a regular 
point of in this podcast over the last 18 months, two years. And knew there was a player in there. There wasn't any question that there was ability, but it was a case of harnessing that and fair play to Frank Lampard and his coaching staff that they've managed to do that. And now he's growing in confidence. You can see him, the way he's chasing down players. He's throwing himself into tackles, winning the ball. Yet, yeah, we didn't create a huge amount on on Sunday, but every one of them worked brilliantly. Vitaly Mikalenko, again, he's been working on what he's doing in terms of getting closer to players. He didn't allow Chelsea players to get round him. Could have scored the goal, probably the goal that his performance deserved. Um, just panicked slightly in that in that chance. And we had chances to seal it, get, that game, but kind of it was almost kind of written that it wasn't going to be that way. It was going to be that it was going to be nerve jangling, nerve shredding. It needed us right through to that 97th, 98th minute to see that, you know, and, and then the outpouring at the end was uh, was uh, was unbelievable it was fantastic the singing it was it was it was a, a joy to, to hear goodison like that and of course i haven't mentioned jordan pickford um my my stepson harry who, who was with me is wants to be a goalkeeper and he loves to have a day and he constantly asks me who's better day or pickford and i'm like well you know you know trying to be typically diplomatic but um on Sunday there was I think De Gea is an exceptional goalkeeper but Jordan Pickford on, on Sunday the saves he made um, it, those I thought I wasn't sure with the Mason Mount one whether it hit both posts or whether he got a touch to it I don't think he did but the speed I mean uh, to get up and make that, that save that that's a match winning save they are you know Brian Clough, God rest him, used to say about a goalkeeper will get you 10 points a season. That's why he had Peter Shilton. We had the chance to sign Peter Shilton in the 70s. Billy Bingham didn't do it. We ended up with Di Davis and that cost us the lead title in 1975. So, you know, Jordan Pickford has, has, has picked us up two points there. Three points, possibly. You know, we might have ended up caving and losing the match completely but we didn't we won it and to make then that second save where he takes it full in the fizzog was you know that's the that's what goalkeepers have to do um but you know garth crooks who i'm not one for um mentioning too often because i think he's a bit of a twit to be honest but he came out and said it was the best save he's seen in 50 years you know since gordon banks against pele arguable you know um, but it's right up there with what, arguably some of the greatest saves that an Everton goalkeeper's ever made you think about Neville Southall at, at Hillsborough back in 84-5 when he was Football of the Year and that Mark Falco save that everybody goes on about find it on YouTube if you've never seen it at Tottenham where he somehow changed his direction in midair which my dad always said about was the greatest save he'd ever seen an Everton goalkeeper make well I think for those of us I mean I, you know we saw Tim Howell could make great saves in his time but that quite possibly is the greatest save I will ever see an Everton goalkeeper make it was just astonishing so three points it's a clean sheet again um, and that's you know two clean sheets in the last three at Goodison we're, we're, we're getting the starting to get the results we're looking a little bit more solid Yeri Mean has got to be nursed through the rest of the season the good thing from our point of view is that the you know the, well, the question he's got to wrestle with is do we take the risk of playing Yeri Mina next Sunday, next Wednesday against Watford and then again on the Sunday against Brentford can he play three games in seven days eight, uh, seven days chances are that he can't so there has to be a bit of managing there with Ben Godfrey out for the rest of the season what's the game that we can get the result, where do we need to get the result what's more likely, that's uh, something they're going to have to wrestle with um, but if we can take that work ethic and that energy and spirit and desire and the way the, the, the players were trying to whip the get the crowd to sort of come on you know get the if we can do that for the next 
four or five matches will be okay. We're not okay at the moment. We're not out of the woods. But Sunday was a massive marker in terms of performance levels and saying, this is what we can do. We've seen, we did it against City. We didn't get the rewards for it. We sort of did it against Liverpool. We didn't get the rewards for it. You know, we we, we played a lot of shape, a lot of energy, didn't take our chances. We did, we sort of did it against United, but not to that extent. And we got the result. We have to carry that forward now, particularly into those two away games. We know now that we can get the up at home, but it's crucial that we pick up points away from home because if we don't, we will not survive. That's a given because I think Burnley will now kick on and probably win at least another two of their remaining four matches. Um, you know, and Leeds obviously looking at the runnings now. Leeds have probably got the toughest of the three, uh, or in the sort of dodgiest bit of form. So. It, you know, it's where we're at. It was a great day, but it will count for nothing if we don't survive at the end of the season. Um, it was Goodison as, as you know, a, a, a nice nostalgic trip, um, and maybe one of the, you know, the last great days that the old lady has, um, and you know, it's one that you can pass on. But it, 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 it's meaningless unless we end up surviving, um, and that's the crucial thing now. So on we go to Leicester. Um, obviously, they are. Playing in the uh, Europa Conference, um, Vauxhall Motors, Vanarama National League, or whatever the hell it's called, on Thursday against Roma. That second leg, they will probably be tidy. Yeah, he's rotated his squad, Brendan Rodgers, between obviously the game last Thursday, the first leg, and the, the Tottenham game on Sunday, where they obviously lost. Um, he'll do that again, probably. What's their priority at this point? Probably winning that uh, Europa Conference League. Um, so, you know, we can absolutely harness that and take advantage of that but it's up to the, the players on the pitch to be in the right headspace to do that um so hopefully they can uh, but we shall see next sunday fingers crossed let's uh, we've got a more positive week ahead um as opposed to the doom and gloom of last week we will watch what the others do uh, on saturday with uh, over the weekend with you know a keen interest obviously but things looking a bit more positive than they were uh, on Saturday tea time. So, uh, as always, you can get in touch via uh, nmtbpod at gmail.com on the email. Uh, you can uh, tweet at nmtbpod. This has been a top content production. And until the next time, come on, you blues.